Sports. We back. Returning guests. The one and only incomparable one himself. Talented, multi, multi-talented father. Uh, athlete, mentor, everything in between. Dean Thomas, welcome back. What's happening, sibling? Man, what's up, man? How are you? Good, man. Good. You know, things are... The landscape is starting to change a little bit, I think, across this uh, this world. You know, things are kind of getting back to normal. But obviously, where you are um, in the States, depending on what state you're in, if I, Florida, Texas, you know, things seem to be a lot more open of sorts, right? Yeah. In fact, like, you know, I just, I'm in New York right now, so... And it's open in New York now. It opened up. I didn't notice, but it opened up on Wednesday in New York. So things are. Um, sorry about the noise. No problem. I can't control these crazy New Yorkers. <laughs> I'm surprised there's no horns blowing as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh oh. Um, Yes. So, um, yeah. So you're, in a, you're clearly in a lively spot at the moment in, in, in yeah, the older five states. <laughs> these, these boys out here in New York be wilding. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it's good, man. Things are, are picking up around, you know, around the world. And that's good news because, you know, I think everybody wants to get back to living again. So, um, you know, hopefully things can get, get back to normal, as normal as possible. Most definitely. And UFC's had... Um, a, a full attendance crowd in in the old uh, great states. Yeah, man, that was incredible, man. I like to be able to, and I was working, and I worked both those shows, like the one in Jacksonville, and then the one just in Houston. And to be able to work those shows was amazing, because especially Jacksonville, because you didn't realize how much we needed crowds until yeah. we got there. You know, like. I and, and me, like I was, like, I don't even like crowds. I was like, ah, I'm against it. You know, I like this, this going to the apex and having yeah. the small fights. But then when the crowd got there, I mean, it was really special. They were really instrumental in, in the fights, and it was just, I mean, it was amazing. And I'm, I'm actually glad that the crowds are back. But as you say, it's still, I still like to have the, the, the difference to have the apex fights so there's no crowd so you can it's a lot more of an intimate environment but at the same time it's you know all we've known pre this um this pandemic is having a live crowd so that that's all we've known but i do like to have the the difference to be fair i, I do like to see the difference yeah well from a coaching perspective you know coaching a fighter in the apex is great because and, and plus you're going to get, you typically will get a better performance out of most fighters because most fighters won't get nervous by the crowd. Now, if you remember in Jackson for the very first fight, it was the, uh, the Chinese girl and yes. Canelosi. That was and a good she, fight, man. But they were, they went crazy basically <laughs> because of the crowd. Like the crowd really brought something out of them. Mm. And I don't know if they fought their best fight, but it was exciting, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Um, but so, but that's what you're getting. But from a coaching perspective, I always want to get the best fight from my fighter, not necessarily the most entertaining fight. So as from a coaching perspective, I do prefer the apex. 
But yeah. from a spectator perspective, I'm always going to say, all right, bring the crowds because people, <laughs> you know, once they start booing, if people start doing dumb things and dumb things are always exciting to watch. <laughs> Most definitely. I mean, well, talk about that. Actually, that's an excellent um, point you, you bring up a reference to booing element. How I mean, I've heard fighters say that it's it's very much tunnel vision when they're in there. They're, they're obviously they're, they're concentrating on their opponent and listening to, you know, the, the, their team to give the instructions but when like like say for instance like the grappling elements and sometimes it can be quite long and you know the crowd can be a little bit impatient how does it feel as a fighter to hear that did you feel like a sense of urgency to do something or you do yeah they do and i mean especially young fighters like young fighters are always influenced by by others because part of the reason why they're in this is they're looking for validation for themselves Mm-hmm. So when the crowd is not really behind whatever it is that they're doing, you're going to see that influence and you're going to see them react to that. But I think some of the older fighters that are a little bit more mature, have been around a while, a little bit more experience, can um, can they have a little bit more experience and you'll see them not re- not react to that as much. And, and you're, you're going to not and they're not really caring too much about what the crowd's doing. They're just trying to win. Well, ultimately, look, you want your your show money and your your win money in it. So that's ultimately the most important thing. Um, yeah, it's a conflict of interest, actually. Like if you if you want fighters to perform for the crowd, don't offer them a win bonus. <laughs> right. Because it's like, like, am I going to get this win bonus or am I going to, you know, fight stupid and lose? So, you know, I think the fighters should be rewarded for finishing, maybe not winning. Yes, yes, I, I I totally agree. I mean, it's it's only until you know recently of sorts of the last say five odd years I even knew what the pay structure is. You know, silly old me thought that you know as prize fighters, you know, y'all would sign up to Bellator, UFC, whatever, and it's like okay, you, you you've got a four fight contract and you're gonna make each fight fifty thousand pounds, for instance, or dollars. And that's what you do. I had no clue that there was this half and half business. I think that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, what I think that comes from, I think that comes from sort of, you know, when the UFC first started, it, it was tournament style. So it was like, if you win, you get more money mm-hmm. and then you advance in the tournament. And I think that's kind of where the pay structure kind of came from that. Like if you win, you get more money. So then they were just like, you know what, if you win, you're going to give you double. So we're, so initially people were like oh these crazy guys like oh you know i'm gonna get double the money if i win but then when it became more of a sport and and not just like you know spectatorship yeah fighters were like man you know actually it's not really in my favor to fight like this in order to win like i'm not really doing like if you want me to win and i'm a wrestler i'm gonna use my strength and that's just to hold a guy down but then they were then they boo me so now like i have a conflict of interest so I think the reality is, is they need to get rid of that pay structure of show and win money and just pay guys for finishing. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I mean, I think it's, it's good. Was it? Uh, it's two now. It's, there's no more knockout of the night. Is it? It's, it's performance. Performance. Yeah, that's it. I think that that that's the good route to go down. And as you say, take out the the fifty fifty split. Give them that, and then give them an extra incentive to like, look, if I really put on a good performance. You know, I'm yeah, going to be I mean, financially it, rewarded. I mean, what what other sport do guys get penalized 
for winning just because they're boring. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't really make sense. It's like, okay, I was boring, but I won. But why are you penalizing me? I won. Like, you asked me to win. In fact, you told me you'd give me double the money if I win. Mm. Now you're going to penalize me because it wasn't exciting for you? So, I mean, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. It's it it doesn't it doesn't but again it's sports entertainment isn't it it's not just about the competition of two warriors coming into the uh, the octagon the ring the cage whatever it's about also entertaining the fans so uh, the spectators so for instance you could have a very grapple heavy person uh, like John Finch let's use him for example yeah. who's excellent um, very top heavy. Um, in regards to his pressure and stuff, but not the most exciting fights. It's it's just, you know, it, it's it isn't it's dominance. You know, it's a dominant performances. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't a lot of the his his wins have come by the way of unanimous? Yeah, for sure. And he wasn't a fan favorite for that reason. Yeah, and that's okay. But my point is that are we asking fighters to fight to dumb themselves down for the entertainment of the fans? And that's unfair to the fighter because the fighter gets in this one. I mean, obviously fighters don't want to get hurt. Like, like there, I mean, that comes with the territory of being a fighter, but no one wants to be seriously injured, but you're asking guys to, to dumb themselves down and, and increase their chances of being seriously injured just for the entertainment of fans like it, to increase that purposely is, is silly to me um but again like if you take a guy like john finch who was never exciting never exciting fighter you know you can't i, I wouldn't ask him to fight a different fight you can change the rules it's not his fault you can yeah. change the rules and say all right we're going to start penalizing you for timidity yes or we're going to penalize you for not throwing enough punches mm -hmm. but you can't put him in a situation where you go all right these you this is your skill set we like what you, and it's dominant, but we're just going to boo you if you use it. I mean, that's unfair for him. It's unfair to him. It is. Change the rules, Dennis. Don't make it, don't make, don't put the burden on him to change. Change the rules. Would, would you think, I, I, I don't know how realistic this would be, but do you think that the UFC, it would be good for the UFC maybe to to introduce maybe grappling tournaments or fights within their, uh, their cards? Well, I mean, in, in a way they do. Like, if you ever, if you look at like International Fight Week, I mean, they do and they don't. But if you look at like International Fight Week, they'll have different events going on during that week in which the UFC will support. I don't know if they do it financially, but they will support it. And they will put things like, you know, Submission Underground on Fight Pass. Mm -hmm. And like those things, like when, so if you got the head, if you have the nod from the UFC, that's a UFC event. I'm sorry. You know, like if you're on Fight Pass, that's really like a minor league UFC event because like the UFC is supporting you and they're, putting you on there they're allowing you to be on their platform and they're promoting you so in that's a way a they do like submission underground um what were the some of the other ones uh polaris like those polaris, were on yeah pass. So yeah those are on fight pass so if you ask me like while the ufc may not be like matchmaking them or putting their official stamp on it they're putting a stamp on it that is a good point din i, I yeah I, t I tip my hat to you say that is an excellent point um let's look at the take the hardcores out of it and take the ones who have a keen interest in combat sports and are very UFC centric and don't necessarily watch the other promotions and they mm -hmm. don't necessarily have fight pass. They're missing a big trick, aren't they? 
because they're not they're not cross fertilizing in regards to the combat sports, mixed martial arts in general, and looking at the other promotions. All they're looking at is the is the North American leader, you know, UFC, and they're thinking that's it. As far as they're concerned, mixed martial arts is the UFC. So if they had maybe okay on on the on the early prelims, the prelims, and on the main card, we're going to have at least uh, you know three grappling events or submission events. Yeah, you know what? Like, in theory, that seems good. But again, I think the UFC would feel like they were just wasting space. Yeah. You know, in theory, that's good to be like, all right, we're going to really educate these people and really give them a treat and show them what, you know, what jujitsu is all about. In fact, like, you know, King Mo is working on something right now called combat grappling, which is another form of like combat sport, but it's a little less intense than full MMA. Similar to the, the Eddie Bravo Invitationals. Yeah, similar to that, but like he's come up with a set, a set of rules that hopefully he's trying to get allow guys to get involved with it, you know, don't have to put, you know, and can gain more competition experience yeah. and don't have to put their MMA record on the line. But, you know, like things like that, I think, you know, it would be great to be able to put events like that on the UFC, but the UFC would just be like, man, we have 500 guys that we Oh, fights so we can't really take up spots to you know yeah. do this. So like that's why I think that's why they do support organizations like uh Submission Underground and you know all the other uh different leagues and just say you guys handle it. Yeah we'll support you. You will let you put it on our platform, but we're not gonna waste our space and do it on you know on a UFC event. And actually as you've highlighted, I mean that those um, promotions are excellent feeders to the UFC. You know, their champions, you know, more than that, I will go and fight within the UFC, maybe on short notice. Um, but generally, if they make enough noise within LFA, uh, Cage Warriors, etc., then, you know, the next ticket is to, to the UFC, isn't it, generally? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think those are all great organizations. Let's say Cage Warriors. Cage Warriors is kind of underrated. Like, one thing you know about Cage Warriors is that you know, when you get one of them tough British dudes, man, they coming over and they coming over banging. That's the one yep. thing you can always guarantee. It was one fight I saw a few in uh, on Fight Island. Um, who was the guy? He was from Wales. Mason Jones. Yeah, Mason Jones. Like yep. this kid, like he was an like, you know, a little bit, a little bit more athleticism, or a little less athleticism for Mike Davis's part. But and Mason Jones wins that fight. Yeah. But he was as tough as they come, man. Like he was as tough as they ever of a human being as I've ever seen. Definitely. It was an excellent performance. I, I thought it could have went either way. I was more leaning to Mason because um, I've had him on the broadcast as well um, and I've watched his, his, his career through Cage Warriors. But, you know, trustfully he'll bounce back. He'll bounce back. Yeah, he's, he was an excellent fighter and it was a great showcase for him. Like I said, I think skill-wise and athleticism-wise, Mike Davis edged him a little bit but Mason Jones certainly nothing to take his put his head down about 100% and and the good thing about um, I think well, what a lot of the the newer fighters um, on the roster are showing now is that the well-rounded fighters that you know not just Britain but the European market is bringing forth you know Britain isn't necessarily known for having good wrestlers and stuff but you know, we're producing some talent now who 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 can can pretty much do it all. They're not just strikers. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, now that, um, you know, one thing that I, somebody once said to me was that the uh, coaching in Europe is better, but the, you know, the resources and athleticism in the States are better, mm-hmm. which is why, like, everybody comes here. But it, they're right about that, I think, a lot of times is that the coaching in Europe is, is definitely a little bit more uh, intimate, at least intimate. You know, especially the striking guys are very like hands on as opposed to in the States where it's just kind of like, all right, guys, we know you're good. So just start sparring. But I, I think the coaching in Europe is a bit is very underrated. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully and plus it's very disjointed too. like in the States, people are I think people are a little closer to each other and they share more information. I think maybe in, in Europe, everybody's a little farther apart, separated segregated a little bit more i would say yes and no i would say yes and no with that um it with in, in certain in certain elements i would say i would 100 agree but everybody knows everybody <laughs> yeah yeah well because it is small yeah I mean, it's very small over there but it just seems like you know like ireland and <laughs> and germany seem like worlds apart oh yes like it's, it's, you see what i'm saying yeah it's like yeah. worlds apart mm-hmm. but it's not really that far, you know, compared to like in the States. Cause like, you know, yeah. New York and LA are really kind of worlds apart, but it's not really far for us here. Like, you know, we get, we go and seek out the information. Regardless. Definitely. Just jump a hop onto that old plane and you're there in a couple hours. And it could be, it could also be a language barrier too. I mean, you know, the States is so big, but we all speak the same language mm-hmm. as opposed to like, you know, again, like speaking, like Scottish, like Rob Whiteford. I used to try talking to that guy. I, mean, I never knew what he would say. I was like, dude, but he'd be talking to me. He'd have conversations with me, and I would just nod in my head. I never knew what, what, what was just, coming at. Just I'm smile. Like, English, yeah. <laughs> but he's speaking, you know, with that Scottish dialect. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Look, listen. I'm I'm from here, and some accents, like some deep accents, are well, deep and thick accents. I will say are difficult to to understand if you if you're not if you're not listening and conversing with those kind of people on a regular basis. It's almost like. Charlie yeah. Brown's teacher. Definitely. Question for you, Dean. Have you got any fighters fighting over in one? I don't. I don't. Um, and well, I'm. A, I've, I've really kind of consolidated <laughs> my mm-hmm. workload in terms of fighting, or in terms of coaching, actually. So right now, I'm really only working with you know Shorty Torres. Jillian Robertson and then a young fighter named David Evans and that's really it kind of like you know Tyron Woodley's you know who knows what he's doing I don't I don't really know what he's doing but mm-hmm. but I, I'm, I'm I'm actually okay with it you know and talking like Matt Sarah you know Matt Sarah retired from from coaching and cornering and I was like oh I mean, wait a minute from coaching as well I thought it was just cornering I mean he's still coaching a little bit but I mean he's not really putting in the same effort okay than he was before yeah so, i mean i don't want to you know speak out of, out of pocket on that but you know he's not cornering and he's i mean he really don't have a lot of guys in terms of what he was coaching anyway mm-hmm. so he just kind of took us take a step back from that and like that's kind of where we're at in life too it's like you know after a while it just it gets very redundant and yeah. you know and you start to and for me like i wanted to be a little bit more personal with the act with the fighters i was working with as opposed to you know just showing up to events yeah, sleeping on the floor. <laughs> I'm like, I'm almost fifty 
Man, what am I doing <laughs> sleeping on the floor of this dude's room? <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. So what's going on with Shorty? I, saw, I noticed you, the last thing, um, he, did he fight for Brave the last time I've seen him? Yeah. yeah? Yeah, he fought, he fought for Brave. He's still, like, I think he's, um, he's, he's in that tournament for Brave. Okay. So I just got to get him to get his weight down. Jesus, I've never met a guy who can get so heavy so fast. <laughs> this this old weight cutting malarkey, man. What you know? I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure we touched on this on the on the, the last time we spoke. But what, what are your? How do you think? Number number one. What are your thoughts on weight cutting? And then number two. What do you think can be done to help fighters? Well, I like. I like one championships theory behind weight cutting and their, the way they manage the weight of their athletes. Mm-hmm. And I think it should be like that. I, I always think, I always think, right, you know what? Like we could separate like, you know, our, the schedules into like a yearly thing and go, all right, you know what? The beginning of the year, you're going to decide what weight your weight class you're going to fight at. Mm-hmm. And you're going to weigh in and you like, if you're fighting at 170, you're going to have to weigh in at 180. And then throughout the year, we're going to randomly weigh you in. And if you weigh over that, then guess what? You moved up to 185. You know, that's what I think. You know, I think that the whole weight cut process is a waste of time. I think it, I mean, it obviously it's designed to level the playing field, but I think it's dangerous. We've seen more fights get dropped because of weight cuts. Yeah. I don't know if there's a lot of significant evidence to even suggest that, that, you know, guys that cut more weight perform better. In fact, they might perform worse. So, like, it's just the theory. It's just kind of the the stigma we have towards it, and kind of the the general consensus that okay, the bigger guy is going to win, so you got to be able to cut more weight. I, it's all silly stuff. Yeah, that's what I hear a lot. It's it's it, a competitive edge. If I can, you know, drain my electrolytes down to a certain level and get all the minerals and all that stuff out of myself and then rehydrate myself, I can actually be potentially have a few extra pounds on my opponents. Yeah, and it, it, I think it's stupid because like what it comes down to to me is like there's an ideal weight where you're going to perform your best at. You just have to find that. If you go over that, then you're not going to perform that good. So find your ideal weight that you're going to perform at. Fight it that weight and be a good fighter. Like at the end of the day, like you're ever... So I, I think weight cutting is kind of a cop-out. Oh, here's some bikers. But I think weight cutting is kind of a cop-out for some guys. And it's a built-in excuse that everybody can relate to. Because as fighters, we can always relate to like getting dominated by somebody that was bigger and it's kind of accepted. Like if he's bigger than me yeah. and I couldn't do nothing about it, he was too big. Yep. Mm-hmm. I get it. I understand. But at the end of the day, you know, fighting wins fights. And if you're good enough, you know, you, you just got to be better. Find a way to overcome your size. If you're smaller, use, be- use more speed, you know, have better technique, cleaner technique, you know, find different ways to win. But let's not use size as an excuse because when we stop using size as an excuse, then people aren't going to be so uh, quick to feel like they need to cut more weight. So we just need to get rid of that excuse of, okay, I lost because he was bigger. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think that aspirationally, it's good to see, you know, a lot of these, these um, fighters, you know, challenging for, for multiple divisions, you know, championship status and stuff. I mean, that's, that's a good thing to do. Um, especially in this era where you've got dominant champions just, you know, pretty much wiping out divisions and stuff. I mean, 
Yeah. Valentina is a perfect example. I mean, like, who on earth now should she be facing? Whew, man, I don't know. I really, I really don't know who, who she could face. I think that, um, man, like, you know, obviously they want her to fight Amanda, but I think that's just because, like, there's nobody else. But, you know, but what's that do for Amanda? Like, just, it doesn't really do anything for Amanda. Like, if I was Amanda, I wouldn't fight her either. And not that I think a man is afraid, but it's just like, yo, I beat this girl twice. What, like, what are y'all going to do? Keep having me fight her until she finally beats me? What so do like, you? What What's your opinion in regards to the first and second fight? Do you see it as, as the judge? The judge's story as Amanda won both event, both um, contests. Yeah, I thought Amanda won both of them. I mean, they were they were close. Like she, Valentina can make. She's going to make any fight close with anybody because she's mm-hmm. so good defensively, and it's really hard to amount an offense on her but her offense has gotten better since she yes fought amanda. So i think that may be why people want to see her fight amanda again but um but again like amanda beat her twice but to me it's almost disrespectful to amanda because while valentina has her offense has gotten better and she showed what she's capable of let's not forget what amanda's exactly. done exactly you know it's not it's not like Amanda squeaked by anybody in yeah. the, since she's beaten Valentina. She <laughs> knocked out Cyborg. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She knocked out Ronda. She, I mean, she's she knocked out. I mean, she's she's been do- murdering these other women, and even more impressively than probably Valentina. And, oh, yeah. and, high, and these girls are higher level yes. than ones Valentina are doing it against. So let's not disrespect Amanda and be like, yeah, well, you know, Valentina got better, as if she's gotten worse. Amanda has 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 improved every single fight. Um, she, it, it's 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 a technical battle to say you know who is the female goat. Is it Amanda or is it still Cyborg? Because oh, to be, I, mean, I think I don't even think it's uh, a question. I mean, they fought, so like <laughs> they fought, and we saw what happened, and it wasn't like a fluke. I mean, it was like they both took shots at each other, and one of yeah. them was was still standing and the other one was face down into the mat. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even a question. Like, Cyborg, yeah, she had her run, but I don't even think it's a question. But, yeah, okay, so now, the, well, the question is, based upon that 13-year run of being undefeated, and clearly the talent, the talent levels were clearly different because we're talking, the, uh, you know, the involvement and, and creation of, the, of WMMA, but mm-hmm. Again, when we talk about the pedigree and the length of time that she was able to do her thing at, it, it for me that gives that puts a lot of weight to put them, in my opinion, very very close. Like Amanda might be edging it because she won that that first contest. Trustfully, somehow maybe Uncle Dana and you know whoever will say, you know what, we need to make this fight again. We need to. I mean, it'll obviously never happen just because of you know, where they are in their careers. But, I mean, yeah, there is something to be said about about her, you know, being, like, on a run for 13 years. But, I mean, but you also still have to put an asterisk to that. I mean, you know, there was a time where, you know, Hoist Grace was 13-0. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, we we're talking about level of competition here and yeah. strength of schedule. So, when, when Cyborg was on that run, you know, let's not make, let's not make the mistake and think that that was the same women's MMA is today is. I no. mean, most of those girls were like soccer moms that were trying to get in shape. 
you know, they were like, oh, you mean I can actually fight and make some money from this? And it was like, yeah, go and fight this girl cyborg. <laughs> so, I mean, and I, yeah. and I don't say that to take anything away from cyborg, but that's just where yeah. women's MMA was, you know, five, 10 years ago. Like it wasn't until Ronda came out where there was like money to be made in it and, they, and women started getting paid attention to in gyms and they were like, all right, shoot, you know, let's, um, you know, let's, let's develop these girls. But prior to that, you know, most of them girls got good. The ones that were good got good on accident because I know, cause I was in the gyms and guys were not paying attention to women back then. They were just, you know, women would go in and they would, if they got good, they got good on accident because guys would not pay attention to them. Why was that though? If they're paying their money and they're going to the gym, why wouldn't they invest the same, the sa- if not, if not the same into a man, at least like 45%. Well, I mean, and I don't want to say it from a, from a, a sexist perspective. I don't know. I can't really say that. But even from a financial perspective, it, it, it didn't make a lot of sense okay. to invest in women yes. at that time. It did. Yes. So from a financial perspective, it mm-hmm. didn't make sense. So guys weren't really investing in women until Ronda came. And changed the whole landscape of, of, of the game with her very yeah. fast um, <laughs> submissions. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, well, there's money to be made here. Let's, um, let's, let's, let's make these girls as good as we can. So let's start investing in them. Definitely, and 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 we can recall someone saying um, that you will never see women fighting in a certain organization. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that. Now they're headlining fifty percent of the cards. This is it, and there was supposed to be a um, all women's uh, card for one championship, but it's been um, postponed. Um, I think until June, possibly. But that was looking to be a very very exciting card. Well, I appreciate those. Like, I remember it was years ago, probably 15, 20 years ago in Indiana, hook and shoot had an all-women's card that I thought was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was so it was so fun to watch. And I think that they're great. Like, Invictus are great to me. I love I love what Invicta has done. Um, you know, my favorite fighter right now is Rose Namajunas. Thug oh. Rose! Yeah, so, I, so for, for me, like, I, I love women's MMA. I think that women's MMA is great. Like, it's, it's something, it's almost like, to me, I look at women's MMA compared to guys MMA, like women's soccer, men's soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, men, in, when they play soccer, you know, they pretend like they're hurt to stop the game. Women, yeah, yeah, yeah. they will pretend like they're not hurt so that they can keep playing. Mm-hmm. They're just tougher, you know what I'm saying? They're just, you can see that they want to be there more. So like they give you a little bit more of an effort. There's so no games. Me, I, yeah, there's no games, man. That's why I like, that's why I like women's MMA. Like there's just no games that give you more effort. And the 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 evolution they they're getting better each time. I mean, we still see like with some matchups, it's like why on earth was this even done? This is just just for someone to get a a, a, a W in the win column or something because the the disparity in regards to the, the the fighting capabilities is just like levels. It's it's levels, man. It's like what on earth is she doing in here, man? Yeah. But, I would say the majority of the women fighting now, they're not closing their eyes when they're punching, for instance. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, that's my point. Like, that's my point. But those were the girls that, the majority of those were the girls that Cyborg beat in that 13-year run, right? So, like, mm. that's, so we we can't ignore that. You know? I yeah. mean, that's the way it was. Even though, like, but again, like, so, yeah, we can't ignore it. But, like, again, like, Cyborg still wasn't getting 
you know, it's, that's who she was working with. Like she yeah. was doing what she was given. So exactly. But um, but it's, yeah. <laughs> did you did you catch the um, Bellator event last night? No, I didn't catch it. I, I mean, I followed some of it. You know, I was interested in some of it. I was interested in the uh, Darian Caldwell. Oh yeah. Fight. I was interested in that, and then um. I didn't see Cyborg's fight, but I was I was interested in that fight too. I thought Leslie Smith would be able to put up a better fight than she did. She did. Yeah. She did. She really did. Um, all the way to the fifth round. I think yeah. she was eleven minute, eleven seconds in into the the latter part of that 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 fifth round, and Cyborg got it done, man. A lot yeah, more patience. I, I, I like. Yeah, I like the. I mean, I didn't think Leslie was gonna really. I didn't know how she was gonna do. But I was rude. I was pulling for her because, you know, I think I think she she was one who came up the hard way too. remember, like she came up in that time period where it was just that same time period I was talking about where girls didn't get a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And she came up in that time and was still pretty good. And but I think now when she fought Cyborg, she had like proper training. She had coaches really like looking after her and these guys making sure that she was prepared for this fight against Cyborg. So I was I was kind of I was pulling for her. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, I, I'm definitely a, a, a cyborg fan as well. But just I, you know, as I always say, that, that you love, you gotta love an underdog. You yeah, got to yeah. love an underdog. Sure. And um, as I say, very much impressed. Her, her stock, if anything, Riz rose, I should say, um, at the end of that fight because she she showed a lot of heart. A lot. I mean, look at Julia Budd. I thought she would have given Cyborg a lot more of a run for her money than she just got battered, unfortunately. Yeah. I think sometimes, like, these girls go out and they're intimidated from the jump. And when that happens, you know, they're hesitating and they're expecting yeah. themselves to get beat up and then they allow it to happen before they get started. But, um, but and that was what I knew about Leslie Smith is that she wasn't going to be intimidated and she wasn't going to let Cyborg beat her before the fight. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was really... Pull, another reason why I was pulling for her, and that Darian Cardwell fight—he needs to be more active. That brother. Yeah, I think needs... you know. I think he's you know, fighters like that—they need their parameters set early on what they can can and cannot do because, you know, he he's still learning how to fight. You know, he's such an amazing athlete, and he's so creative, and he's so, you know, squirrely. But he doesn't know like really know how to fight so like when they don't know how to fight doesn't really know what to do and he's an artist in terms of like he likes to be creative but he doesn't know where his parameters are of where he can create so that's something that he needs to work on just like finding his parameters of where the where the space in which he can play because i think that that's lacking he's he's got he don't have any boundaries so without having boundaries he just doesn't know what to do would that fall under fight iq yeah, well, certainly. Like it just it falls under like fight IQ because um, he's not he's not like you said he's he's just he just gets into like wrestling and just yeah. Moving. So he's not really using what he's what he's capable of. Like he needs to set his boundaries of what he's capable of. Definitely. I mean, he could have took him out. I, I saw multiple opportunities for, for for potential submissions. And don't get it twisted. I'm I'm I, I, I'm sitting on a couch saying this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... <laughs> no, but listen. <laughs> Somebody's got to say it. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I saw multiple. So if you see it, say it. Yes, exactly. Um, for the for his athleticism, for his his wrestling prowess, um, everything we've just discussed, 
he should be putting people out second round, yeah. no no later. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's long and he's got length and athleticism and he's young and he should be putting people out. 150%. It's... It's very much it's it's um it's a fun time, man. It's a fun time. I mean, especially in America because you have y'all have access to everything, you know. In the UK, it's a little bit different. I mean, we get BBC iPlayer for for Bellator. Um, yeah, I think it's BT Sport for UFC. PFL, we can't watch that. Uh, you know, um, y'all can watch PFL. No, nope. I went onto their website. I went onto their website, and it says if you go onto some kind of, it says it's got like where to watch PFL, and you go down all the countries and all that, and you get to the UK, and it says you go into some kind of. To me, it looks like a dodgy site to me. When I click on the site, it doesn't look official, and it says to watch PFL, you've got to pay nine nine pounds ninety nine per episode or like per per event. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, right. they're not. They're not read about it. Exactly, they're not doing themselves any favors trying to um, boost their brand outside of America. Yeah. Hey, but listen, man, I hate to cut this one no. short, but my phone is actually about to die. <laughs> no problem at all. I get back on the move. No problem at all. It's been excellent. Throw out all your social medias. Throw out all your social medias, please, Dean. All my social media is very simple to follow me. Follow me at Dean Thomas. Dean is spelled D-I-N Thomas T-H-O-M-A-S Dean Thomas follow me I'm always up to shenanigans and I'm trying to do it all so come check me out yeah man you'll see some of them haircutting videos man I see you sharp with the old with the old barbery man I I got a unique skill set man it really doesn't do much for me but it does for everybody else around me (laughs) this is it man din's a giver din's a giver thanks very much uh thanks very much for your time make sure you like comment subscribe and most definitely share